You are listening to Standing Firm, a call in an age of decay, deconstruction, and desolation to be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Amen. There is no God like Jehovah. Good morning. Oh, come on. We're going to have to do better than that if we're going to get along here this morning. Good morning. That was a little bit better. But y'all are the eagles, right? The screaming eagles. So, good morning. James Brown. I am a pastor here in the local area, and it's good to be with you here this morning. And so from here on out, till it's time to quit, we're going to go fast. And the reason why we're going to go fast is because I'm long-winded, so I say a lot of things, and so I have to talk fast in order to uh, narrow down the time limit that is used. But if you listen fast, I'll speak fast, or maybe we'll stop and pause and reflect. Who knows? But uh, we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 here this morning. And I want to challenge you just as the Apostle Paul was challenging Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul writes this, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true, which means it was not just for Timothy 2,000 years ago, thereabouts, but it is also true today, and it is true for you. Let no one despise your youth. Timothy was a young pastor, which is an office in the church that is designated by the terms elder, Um, and Timothy was not older, but he was actually younger. Timothy was a young man who was set apart for the Christian ministry as a pastor, a bishop, a presbyter, or an elder, depending upon the word that your denomination or association primarily uses. Suppose, some suppose Timothy was in his early 20s, but the fact is we don't know how old he actually was, but Paul does describe him as a young man. And of course, whenever we think of young people, we think of children, we think of teenagers, we think of young adults. And that is true across all cultures and across all time. Now, Scripture speaks of youth in relation to children, to teens, and also to 20-somethings. Youth can sometimes, though, be despised, can it not? Everyone who is younger always wants to be older and everybody who is older wants to be younger but still yet even within that concept older people can tend to look down upon younger people right right you've never experienced that it's like ah you're young and dumb right and so youth can have a lot of negative connotations maybe you've heard the statement youth is wasted on the young or This is my favorite because I was told this over and over again. You were born too late to know anything. (laughs) No one's ever been told that. (laughs) I guess I'm the only one. Um, (laughs) So anyway, the reason youth is disdained is because youth usually 
does not exhibit maturity, knowledge, responsibility, and wisdom. Which is why there are so many jokes about young people. Jokes about responsibility, right? Like, for instance, how many teenagers does it take to change a toilet paper roll? Who knows? It's never happened. (laughs) Or... Jokes about rebellious attitudes, right? What's the difference between a teenager and a terrorist? You can negotiate with a terrorist. (laughs) Or there are jokes about wisdom and discernment. A teenager brings her new boyfriend home to meet her parents and they're appalled by his haircut, his tattoos, and his piercings. Later, the girl's mom says, Dear... He doesn't seem to be a very nice boy. Oh, please, Mom, said the daughter. If he wasn't nice, he wouldn't be doing 500 hours of community service. (laughs) So, (laughs) sometimes these things are funny because they are true, right? And young people can be sensitive to their youth. Some of you weren't laughing. And so young people can be sensitive to their youth because we're full of pride, right? And no one wants to admit or to be viewed as immature or ignorant or inexperienced and so on. And yet when we are young, this is true in various areas just because we have not had the experience in which to gain wisdom from. But the Bible is actually full of youth. And while there are negative examples in Scripture to be found... The scripture presents a very high standard for youth. And so what I want to do is challenge you to aim higher. Just as the Bible calls you to a higher standard, higher accountability, higher responsibilities, and higher excellence. And we have all kinds of positive examples in scripture, right? For example, Jesus' disciples, most of them were in their early 20s at the beginning of his ministry. There is Ruth, who was widowed in her early 20s. There are teenagers like David. Remember David slaying the giant? Daniel, who was a teenager. The Virgin Mary. Esther. And then there are even positive examples from preteens like Samuel or King Josiah, who became king at eight years old and brought about revival and reformation to the nation of Israel. You see, they were not aged, they were young, which is another way of saying immature, inexperienced, developing, unseasoned. Regardless of Timothy's exact age, what we understand is that he was young in relation to society, and he was also young in relation to his position as a pastor. In other words, he didn't have wrinkles and gray hair. He did not have experience or knowledge that comes from time and maturity. And so Paul is exhorting him in that context. And of course, many times we get offended by these things, but Timothy did not get offended. He embraced it because his youth was actually a strength. With everything comes strengths and positives, right? There are strengths and positives in our strengths and negatives in everything. And so he embraced it because he knew that it was a strength. So you will either, as a young person here this morning, 
you will either remember your creator in the days of your youth or you will depart from the faith, giving yourself to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons that Paul warns Timothy about earlier in this chapter in First Timothy chapter four. You will either trust God and serve Christ by being nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine that we find in scripture in the church or you will follow this apostate world. You will either exercise godliness in your life or you'll accept fables. You will either labor and suffer reproach by trusting in the living God or you will sell your soul in order to gain the world's favor. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what your spiritual condition is. So I don't know what your desires are. But all I can do this morning is encourage you to stop complaining and start shining. Which is the point Paul is making. First of all, he says, let no one despise your youth. So let's consider that statement, which is the title of our message here this morning. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Now, this is not a statement of entitlement. Sometimes when we hear this, and I remember when I was young, that was a long time ago, but uh, my memory hasn't completely faded yet. But I remember hearing this and I was always thinking, oh, that's directed to older people, that they should look down on me and that I should receive approval and respect. But Paul's talking to Timothy. He's actually talking to the young person and he's telling Timothy Not to let anyone despise his youth. So it's not a statement of entitlement. Paul is not instructing Timothy to demand approval or respect just because he is and just because he exists. He is telling, he's not telling Timothy that he is privileged based on a natural right of approval and respect. You see, we naturally possess this bad attitude of entitlement. But our culture is going way out of its way today to ingrain this sinful disposition in every fiber of our culture. But that is not what Paul is saying here. Paul is not addressing addressing those who are despising Timothy's youth or looking down upon him or not giving him any respect. Paul is addressing Timothy... Who possesses youth. The statement is to young Timothy and not to the older pastors in the church. It's not to the older congregants in the church. Timothy is not responsible for their attitudes, but he is responsible for his actions. Timothy is responsible for himself in the way... That Timothy is to make sure that no one despises his youth is by being what he should be. One of the first ways to make sure you do not let anyone despise your youth is to have a proper understanding of youth. As with everything, there are positives and negatives. Many times our greatest strengths are also our greatest weaknesses. And so it is with youth. Your youth can actually be your greatest virtue because with youth comes strength, zeal, longevity, vitality, and so on. But it also can be your worst vice. 
Because it can also be exercised in ignorance, inexperience, immaturity, combined with, and if it's combined with pride, it is deadly. So notice, the way to keep your youth from being despised is not to demand respect, but to earn respect by being an example. Paul says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example. So how do you keep people from despising your youth? Well, you be a good example. And by example, we mean a positive example, right? Doing that which is right, beginning with the attitudes all the way through the actions. Not the example of what not to be. We have plenty of those. We don't need any more examples of what not to be. What we need are examples of what to be and what to do. You see, if you want people to trust you, the teenage life is all about trust, right? You ask your parents, can I do this? And they're like, no. Oh, you don't trust me. Well... If you want people to trust you, then be trustworthy. Be an example. And be an example to other believers. Paul is admonishing Timothy to be an example to the church. And then in verse 15, he says that his progress will be evident to all so that they will not despise his youth. When they see his progress. And Paul gives six ways that Timothy can be an example to the church. And we're going to go through these real quickly. First of all, an example in word. You can be an example through your speech, the way you talk, the words you use. In Colossians chapter 3, we are told that we are to put certain things away. And among these things, we are told to put away obscene talk from your mouth. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Therefore, one of our daily prayers should be, taken from Psalm chapter 19 and verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Secondly, he says, be an example in conduct. And you can be an example in the way that you conduct yourself. The way that you present yourself in your actions, in your behavior and attitudes. And if you want to receive respect, then show respect. If you want approval for your behavior, then do what's right. In Proverbs chapter 20, in verse 11, Solomon says, even a child makes himself known by his actions. By whether his conduct is pure and upright. Peter tells us that he who has called us, which is Jehovah that we just sung about. He who has called you is holy. Therefore, you are also to be holy. Third, we're to be an example in love. You can be an example in love by the love you show your parents. The love you show your siblings, your superiors and your inferiors, whether they are in the church Or here at school. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Let all that you do be done in love. Everything. Everything in love. 
We are told that anyone who does not love does not know God. You know how this world knows whether or not we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ? By our love that we have for one another. This is how the world knows that we are his disciples. So Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Fourth, an example in spirit, right? You can be an example in spirit by your attitude, your emotions and affections. Paul writes, do all things without grumbling and complaining. All things. Cleaning your room. Making your bed. Without grumbling and complaining. Paul says, do all things. Doing your homework. Without grumbling and complaining. You see, we can be an example. And when we are an example of these things, then our youth will not be despised. And then he says we are to be an example in faith. In your outlook. By believing in God and trusting in God. Paul commends the Thessalonians because they received the words of the apostles. Not as though they were the words of men, but as they were the words of God. In other words, they truly believed. Truly believed God's word. And God's word says that we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Therefore, we can have complete faith and confidence in God and his word. Because he who has called us is faithful and he will do that which he has said. And then Paul says, be an example in purity. In Psalm chapter 119, the psalmist asks, How can a young man keep his way pure? And he answers it by guarding it according to your word. David, after he sinned, prayed that God would renew a right spirit within him. Why? Because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So let me ask you a couple questions. Do older people despise your youth? Or do they respect and appreciate your youth? Do you welcome instruction or do you think that you know it all? Do you humbly and graciously receive correction or do you think you are entitled to reward even when you don't do the things that you should do? Do you receive or do you refuse instruction? Do you get mad when you are corrected? Well, the Bible says that you and I are fools, whether you're young or old. That we are fools and we're not wise if we're answering yes to those questions. You see, a wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. And then Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. He also said, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Keep her, for she is your life. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The commandment is a lamp and the law light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. In other words, we could keep going on and on and on. But a wise person will receive instruction. He will receive correction. He will receive rebuke. So that he might attain or she might attain wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, this is one of my favorite verses. Because it's so direct. I like I like things that are direct. Solomon writes this, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction, none of us like to be corrected, right? But he who hates but he who hates correction, Solomon says, is stupid. That's very direct. That's very blunt. But it's true. Therefore, Solomon says this. Forsake foolishness and live. And go in the way of understanding. In other words, be like Timothy who continued in the things that he had learned and that he was assured of. Knowing from childhood the scriptures in receiving instruction, rebuke and correction. And in following the holy examples of faith. You see, he knew and he was assured that the things that happened to older generations of saints that were written in God's holy and inspired word was written for our admonition. Therefore, he learned from the examples that we mentioned earlier, one of them being David, so that his youth would not be despised. David, who was but a youth, a teenager, When Goliath defied the God and the armies of Israel. And so David understood that there was a cause to stand up for Jehovah as a servant of the Most High. And as an example to the people of God. And he volunteered to face down that giant. And when the giant saw him, the giant laughed and mocked and despised. Despised him, and the Bible says, because he was young. As a matter of fact, the armies of Israel didn't have much hope either. They sent out a boy. Because King Saul wouldn't go, David's older brothers wouldn't go. But David, in his youthful zeal, Was willing to go. And when he stared face to face. Well not face to face. When he saw that giant. The giant. Mocked him. Ridiculed him. Because he was young. He was inexperienced. He was immature. But you know what? He believed in God. And he trusted in God. And so he stood toe to toe with the giant and he overcame that giant and became an example to millions who would follow after him. Not to let our youth be despised, but allow our youth to be cultivated and to be nourished and to be developed. 
so that we might in true faith conquer the giants of our day and the giants in our lives. So I want to challenge you not to accept what this culture is offering, but to seek after God and follow him and watch him do great things in spite of our inadequacies. You see, no matter what your inadequacies are because of youth, if your faith is great in God, that faith will overcome all of our inadequacies. What is it that overcomes this world? The Apostle John says it is our faith. Our faith is our greatest and most powerful weapon. So be a true believer in God. Be a true follower of Christ. Be an example to the brethren in your family, in your church, and in your school, to one another, to cause each other to aim higher and to rise higher and to become a people of faith that this world desperately needs. When we look around our culture and our society, we see that it has been completely deconstructed. What we need is a new generation of people who have faith in God like David. Faith in God like Timothy, who will go into the whole world and preach the gospel to all nations and make disciples of them and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all things that Christ has commanded us. Father, we pray that you would work in the lives of these young people and we know that you can do great things through them. So we pray and ask, That you would grant them faith. And that they would be wise to observe that which has been prior to them, both in the good examples and the bad examples, and to learn from them to grow in stature and wisdom. One of the things that was said, describing Christ in his youth, that he grew in stature and wisdom and knowledge. And Lord, we pray that you would work in their hearts and lives. Cause them to love you and to seek you. And we know that if they would just do that, that you would work mightily in their lives. And Lord, we pray that this would be accomplished according to your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Standing Firm is a podcast production of Holy Trinity Reformed Church in Canby, Indiana. For more information about this podcast or Holy Trinity Reformed Church, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org.